0: Welcome to Beyond the Frontline Podcast, where your hosts, U.S. Air Force veterans, Donna Hoffmeyer and Jay Johnson, will help you transition from the frontline to the home front. Listen every other Wednesday, as they will bring great conversations, resources, tips, and feel-good stories that will resonate and relate. Now, here's your hosts, Donna Hoffmeyer and Jay Johnson.
1: So wait, let What's me it? get this straight. So you did business. You tried business. You tried human resources, education, aviation, technology, and pre-med, the so medical. And your degree is what and what?
0: So I was a dual major in college. Okay. I was a engineering and a medical. So originally I went to college. I wanted, I was wanting to be a orthopedic surgeon. Uh, I saw the way medicine was going, so. Even though I got my pre-med degree and my engineering degree, I decided to stay with engineering. Then, Wait, your
1: dual uh, major was engineering and pre-med together? mm Mm-hmm. Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So so I was an honor student way back when. Um, Then um, I actually was offered a a GM position. So when I was in ROTC, I was supposed to be a missile launch officer Ah. in the reserve.
1: That would have been kind of boring uh, compared to all the other stuff you just did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I went in and um, a guy I worked for uh, part-time offered me a general manager's position in his company, mm-hmm. which was, uh, in. he was a franchisee, but he had multiple uh, locations. I took those, those businesses and I actually wound up turning them into 15 of the top Uh, in a period of about 18 months as the GM and then corporate saw. And so I went to go work at the corporate side in HR as a VP of marketing um, development and human resources. So I led the expansion of the company into China back in the 80s. Oh, see,
1: we can blame you for all of Timu and Sheen and it's your fault. You started all this. <laughs> your your background is beyond extensive. I like you, you need to write a book. I mean, you seriously do. So, hey, I'm going to start this and I'm sure people are wondering like who we're talking to right now and who's this person that has a double major in pre-med and in engineering because I'm not sure who who takes that on. One of them alone is challenging enough, but uh this is beyond the front line as you all know. And I am part of a team of two, except a missing one. So Donna's here today. Jay's out, a little bit of a family emergency. So I said, that's all right, I'll take it on, because we know the guest that we're bringing on. He's actually a good friend of mine. And this is Mr. Mike Wyatt. Hi, Mike.
0: Hi, Donna. How are you today?
1: As good. I just, like, every time I talk to you, it's like a whole new, like, I can't even keep straight all the stuff that you've done And so I I just crack. I don't even try to keep up. It's just like a new story. And I swear to God, you you and I have talked. And then you're telling me this stuff. I didn't even know you had a double major. I'm like, holy crap. But even though he's super interesting, and I swear we could bring him on just for like super interesting people, we're actually bringing him on for a reason. Because Mike is a VSO, a veteran service officer, and he is a very good one. And Mike and I met randomly through a mutual friend. Actually, his chiropractor is a friend of mine and calls me up and says, hey, some gentleman and his wife came in and they were talking about veteran stuff. And they, I said they should talk to you. And I was like, OK. And that's how Mike and I met. And so um, I've actually uh, worked with him on a case here and there. And um, he comes to our veteran breakfast, and every time he comes and talks, everybody wants to keep talking to him because he holds all the knowledge about disabilities and what I want to talk about today, the PACT Act, right? Because that's the new hot thing that's out there. The VA finally came to be and said, all right, we're opening up for the PACT Act, and we want people to apply, and they have and it has absolutely flooded the VA and they are months and months behind so if y'all are waiting for your medical records or you're waiting for responses you just keep waiting it's going to be a while right mike
0: <laughs> uh, that's true the, uh, on the record side for the VA they're actually running about uh, 9 months behind in getting people's records God. so they're just now up to January 2023 and so. that,
1: Oh, my Lord. And we're in October, right? So we're, it's going to be a while. That's going to be you a while. I mean? See, and the joke is that he has, and I'll tell you why he's got on me about the PACT Act, because I had a reason that I needed to apply, of which I didn't know. And then he's like, hey, you need to do this. And so after a couple prompts, I finally did. And then I've sat on it. Because it's a big delay. And so I told him, like, see, procrastinators like me are helping people like you. <laughs> I'm waiting for the wave to go by. <laughs> so so let's start with PACT Act, what it is. Uh, we keep throwing the acronym out, but just in case
0: there's somebody living under a rock there, what is it? So um, what the PACT Act is, it, it stands for the Honoring Our Promise to Address Comprehensive Toxics. Act of 2022. That's a mouthful. Yeah. um, So that's the new law that basically expanded um, VA health care and benefits for veterans exposed to burn pits, Agent Orange, and any other toxic substances and exposures that you've been exposed through throughout your career. Mm. So it's not just war-related, Agent Orange, uh, radiation, asbestos, um, things like that. But the thing that it also did was it opened it up to uh, spouses and dependents. So everybody's probably heard the Camp Lejeune. Oh, the water. Uh, water contamination. So right. um, that came about um, as well because of a, a whole lot of lawsuits uh, for stillbirths, um, the amount of Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and dementia in veterans. So um, with those lawsuits, uh, the push went to the VFW, the um, DAV, and the American Legion to get Congress to act, and then they passed this, and it got si- finally got signed into law in 2022. Mm. So um, this now is the largest comprehensive change to VA healthcare in the history of the VA. Yes. So the goal was to get more veterans into healthcare. Um, they created three new categories to phase in uh, so veterans can receive more hospital care, medical services, and nursing home care. What people don't realize is that their dependents also qualify. Um, So, and I know we've talked a little bit about it, uh, but to get that done, so example would be uh, for the contaminated water sources, there is a a separate legal, a uh, uh, couple uh, legal agencies. So the DAB has one, the VFW has one, um, and the American Legion have one that they all work with to help the dependents file for uh, any defects or things that happen due to contamination. So when uh,
1: you say Okay, so when you're talking spouses, like spouses that were at Camp Lejeune and drinking the water, having issues, anything like that.
0: Correct. I, children? I was,
1: go ahead. Yeah, well, children, that's the one where you caught me on is, you know, mm-hmm. we have a son that has ADHD. And, um, you know, I didn't think anything of it happened, you know, and then you kind of bopped along and started asking me questions. And you were like, hey, were you... Ya- ever on a flight line and I'm like yep I was three and a half years and my husband most of his career n- sucking lots of fumes and you're like mm-hmm, yep you need to apply now because what was it there was a connection between
0: um, toxic exposures um, as everybody that's been on the flight line is familiar with TCE trike, trichloroethylene mm-hmm. uh, PCE which is uh, perfluorochloroethylene and DCE which is tetrachloroethylene so, or MEK methyl ethyl ketone, um, they're actually toxic chemicals that were used on aviation and electronics, and even the hospital used them in, in um, bio uh, medical engineering. Mm-hmm. So, um, under Camp Lejeune, uh, just like most military bases, there are toxic plumes mm-hmm. of, of TCE uh pfos pfoas um so that's the as you would commonly hear uh a triple f or aircraft firefighting foam so that's the oh, other yeah. thing it's that's, that's out there as a contaminant in the soil Well, just
1: the fuel right like the jp8 and the jp4 jp4
0: jp7 yeah. jp8 um, i mean we suck so lots of that <laughs> correct um and you know people think that that does not count towards their exposure, but that is now part of the PACT Act. So those are all part of your toxic exposures. Uh, It's not just burn pits, um, you know, your exposure to asbestos. Every time you go out to the range and and you're firing a gun, you're exposed to lead, Mm -hmm. right? So everybody in combat is exposed to uh, a high volume of lead, as well, so lead can lead to neurological issues. So that's why it's important to make a list of the bases you've been at, TDY station deployed, uh, list of ships, if you're in the Navy, Marine Corps, or Air Force, because there are Air Force folks that are on, on ships, mm-hmm. as well as um, any port calls. Every military installation worldwide is considered a toxic, uh, environment. Well, that's comforting yeah. now, isn't that? <laughs> right. So um, so what you see have going on right now is um, DOD and uh, the EPA and Congress has mandated that they look at all water sources on every installation mm-hmm. uh, to look for TCE, uh, PFOs, um, polyfluorocarbons, uh, PFAs, uh, and provide that. So one of the things I try to tell all active duty, if you're still active duty every year, you have an industrial hygiene survey that's done that also covers your hearing conservation, uh, your mask. Oh yeah, I
1: remember that.
0: Right, so you can get a copy of that from public health and that is a viable source to use as a source document if you file for your future. Um, toxic. But
1: where do you go for public health? I mean, like, you know, for our medical records, we go to up to Illinois for the central, but what about your... That? So
0: you can go, go back to the public health department at the local base or you can go to each respective service has an environmental command Uh-huh. and you can fill out a FOIA request and request uh... those industrial hygiene surveys. So for the active duty folks that are getting ready to retire... I, I brief them on that and I tell them, hey, go get a copy of your industrial hygiene survey. Mm. You keep that. So, and that lists everything that has MSDS, VOCs, SVOCs, those types of things. So, um, and you keep that till you die. Same thing with your medical record.
1: Hopefully not sooner than later. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, I mean, the way the list you're, I'm like thinking of this list and I'm like, Lord, I see the years ticking off. I'm like, damn, 88, 87, 86. Like the one that caught me, you said to me, uh, the statistic you told me, and I don't remember this exact stat, but it was about, people on the flight line and the increased risk of Alzheimer's
0: and cancer? Was so, that- uh, cancers, hearing loss. So the DOD released uh, several studies that they've been doing that span 35 years.
1: Mm. Uh, they
0: released those uh, six months and nine months ago.
1: Yeah.
0: So um, people that work around the flight line or have been around the flight line uh, are 70% more likely to have hearing loss and more likely to uh, have cancer. Uh, And what veterans don't know uh, is just like with agent orange, that can affect you three seconds after exposure or 70 years down the line. Yeah. So most everybody in the military has been exposed to asbestos. So if you've been on a base that had a, has asbestos or you've been living in quarters or barracks that were built prior to uh, 1986. Army we bases. <laughs> Correct. Air Force bases. Yeah. Um, the aircraft, uh, anything, B-52s, 135s, F-4s, 15s, um, F-4, uh, um, all that stuff that was F-16s uh, were actually built Ships were all built with asbestos in it. So mesothelioma, right. and that's a, a, a toxic exposure. It can affect you one minute after exposure. It can affect you 70 years down the line.
1: Well, I was, it's, oh, go ahead. Finish.
0: So it's no different than Agent Orange. Three seconds, or or 50 years later.
1: Yeah. Uh, I heard a squeak. I looked back. And I think my dog found a squeaky toy. Oh, <laughs> good. Um, so, well, and the reason why I was joking about Army was because um, it, it brought me back. So when I was stationed in Germany, my parents came to visit. And we went to Freiburg. Freiburg? Freiburg. At Freiburg. And we went up there because that's where my dad was stationed when he was drafted. And so we went up there. And I kid you not. So this is what. 40, 35, 40 years later, he could—he knew his dorm room. It was still there. <laughs> so when you said asbestos in the buildings, I'm like, uh-huh, yeah. Because <laughs> he was sure, like, yeah, and, there and it the is. Paint,
0: oh, yeah. You know, we we yeah. forget the lead paint. So um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so it was good that the PACT Act actually came out because it actually did add more presumptives, you know, for burn pits and and, and other exposures. So. One of the things I always ask when I'm talking to somebody about disabilities is what I just said, I want to see every base ship and TDY station deployed, any ships, any port calls. So I actually look all that stuff up and I I look at each one of the environmental commands, I go into uh, the EPA, I look up every community, including bases that are closed.
1: Do they have have like central areas that you can go into of, of metadata that you can go in and research this is that where you look is it open to the public is it
0: most of it is open to the public um, so it's funny you ask that because I sent that to you on, on the, the links good I was on, just going to ask you is it form.
1: good on the four? that's perfect see everybody so, it'll be uh, there if you want to know about your base and all the toxins on it you can look there
0: so the other thing that's on there is a way to request your records. Oh, good. Uh, and um, that seems to be the biggest thing. Uh, the VA also does have something called quick submit. So you fill out a SF 180 um, and you can actually upload it online to the National Records Center for the VA. One of the things I ask people to do is if you've already filed claims, also request your C file. That's your compensation file. So um, that has everything that the evaluators such as um, QTC, LHI, these companies that are doing your DBQs at your disability uh, questionnaires. Right. Uh, every decision process is in that compensation file. Oh. So it's a good thing to have that compensation file as well as any military and civilian medical records.
1: That is good information.
0: So, um, and that is very, very important, especially if you have a lot of denials and referrals or deferrals. Because what happens is is those aren't done on a 526, which is the normal application form. Mm-hmm. They're actually done on a 996 because we're adding additional information. So um, there used to be you could all do it on a 521, 526, but now you can't. But the VA is as everybody knows, it's complicated. It's, it's the biggest battle we as a veteran face is fighting the VA system.
1: I agree. That's the thing that kind of drives me a little bonkers is, uh, you know, when I applied and I submitted, I remember that everybody and their brother was, theirs was getting done. I mean, I had people that were retiring after me, applying after me, and they're like, oh, like two months, it's done. And I'm sitting here. Mine was like nine months, eight, a year, somewhere around. It was like forever. And I, I I, know enough of the system to be dangerous because I worked in it a little bit. And I knew my case was not a complex case. I didn't have very complicated things going on. And so I was really lost in that. And it, it's frustrating. And I, I was a lucky one in the sense that I didn't need that money at that time. You know, it wasn't like, I need to have this to kind of keep going. But there are people that that is helping them financially to sustain themselves. So when they're taking eight months and nine months and 12 months and, you know, it, it's and very years. frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> years and years. And, you know, and then and then I see people. It's a little off topic, but I find it interesting. There's the VSOs, right? And so VSOs are free to uh, the service members, the veterans, right? And you you, you already said you can go to the DAV and find them. The VFWs have them. PAV, do, do they do it? The paralyzed, do they have VSOs? Uh, paralyzed there?
0: Veterans of America, yep. PBA. Yep, they uh, have it. Purple Heart.
1: And then your counties have it. So there's county VSOs. Um, and Mike, tell me a little difference, because I did not know this. Until, actually not long after I met you, the, there's county VSOs versus, are you like federal? I don't know what the difference, but VSO and county VSO.
0: So the State Departments of Veterans Affairs and the county VSOs, they are paid yep. and they are considered accredited. So they can actually, uh, you can actually do a power of attorney and they will get your records for you. Versus Ah. those of us that are in the VFW, American Legion, DAV, um, Order of the Purple Heart, the other veteran service, we are not accredited. So we cannot uh, have you sign a power of attorney so we can get your medical records and do it for you. We depend on you to provide the, the records so we can actually do it. Um, That's one of the battles I'm fighting right now nationally. I'm a lifetime member of, uh, American Legion DAV and VFW. So, uh, and I've actually been doing stuff like this, a VSO position for about, uh, 15 years. So a little bit of experience.
1: Just a little. Uh,
0: Yeah. Um, so with the accreditation process, it allows us to contact your doctor and get your records instead of you having to go and then us waiting so the average wait time, like right now, as I said, is about nine months for somebody to get their records. Um, and so I have like 80 people and a backlog. Uh, and I pick up five to 10 a day. Uh, yeah, you were telling me
1: you're like referring yeah. to others that you trust. And, and I, I will say, you know, that it is important that you have a good communication with them you know I, my husband had a great VSO uh well he went to the DAV and so he, the VSOs there were phenomenal with him i had a horrible VSO when i was coming out of the military and i was warned too that the the person said well or somebody that knew this person said it's either going to be amazing or horrible he cherry picks what he wants to do well he didn't cherry pick me <laughs> got the <laughs> short end of that stick And so it was a a struggle. It was during COVID that didn't help anything. So in his defense, he's trying to battle, you know, paddle uphill with all this chaos. Um, So that connection is important for that clear communication. And there's another piece, and I'm kind of leading you down a road. And I know it's a little bit off a packed act, but I think it's important for people to understand. That finding a VSO a solid one and the different types of VSOs county VSO why is that different than you know a an another VSO that's not paid by the state right and so you're kind of clearing some of that up. There's also people that will go to um, I don't really know what their term is is it pay- they're paid VSOs they're not county VSOs but you pay them and then there's also people that go to attorneys to have Correct. this done. So would you kind of pick apart the, what happens when you pay for a VSO and you pay for attorney? Do you have any knowledge of those or what you've mm-hmm. seen in your experience or whatnot?
0: So first, one of the first things I'll say is for anybody that's on active duty and they're getting ready to separate, do BDD, which is Benefits Delivery on Discharge, before you get out so that your disability is done when you get out. And
1: that's six months out, right? They can start. It's
0: uh, three to six months out that you need to do that. Uh, Two years out, you need to start to ensure that you have all your medical issues documented.
1: Yes, and I'll tell you why that's extremely important, because this happened to me, is that I had been in the military 12 years, I got out, and then I came back in. And anything that's not continuous in the military or any abnormal deviation it can mess things up and so I went to the records department and I said hey I need a copy of my records on a cd and they're like yes ma'am and so they hand me it and it went back like two years and I was like I'm retiring I have a couple more years than this and they couldn't find my record and they're looking and looking and looking and they're like oh you have to go up to the central which is illinois right and i was like okay um and then before i ended up doing that i don't know we had a discussion and they said let me look one more place they said let me look down at Lackland. apparently my record was in the basement in Lackland somewhere my entire career was sitting hard copied not uploaded in a basement in Lackland, and I was very lucky. There was no flood or some randomness that happened.
0: Um, that actually happens quite a bit. So, mm-hmm. because of a lawsuit and because of the things going on at the National Records Archive, a lot of this, some of your records are at the National Records Archive, and some is now at your service.
1: When you so, say some, what does what does that mean? Sixty forty?
0: Yeah, or? <laughs> I like to say it's a crapshoot. Um, so Shocking. Yeah. Some of it, it can be all of it or none of it. So the national records archive is supposed to, if they don't have it, they're supposed to contact your service.
1: Oh, okay.
0: To get your copies. Gotcha. Um, if you live close to a base, it's easier for you to just go into right. the hospital and try to get a copy if you can. So, right. uh, trial care records go back about 30 years. Mm. So, um, But to get back to your other discussion, yes, uh, um, no, that's fine. Um, The difference between the county BSOs, they're paid uh, by your county or state, same as a a veteran BSO. Mm -hmm. So that service is free, but they're paid. Right. So the veteran service officers, we're all free. You volunteer.
1: Right. That's the thing. You you yeah. volunteer. We all volunteer. County VSOs are paid by state. It's still free to the service member. That's the whole thing. Veteran service oh. member is still free. Then we get into... Go
0: ahead. So, so then you get into... There are a lot of extraneous agencies. So legal firms can be accredited.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so you can go out to the VA.gov and find a list of accredited VSOs. So they can can actually do the power of attorney, get your records and process it. The lawyers can charge you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not like if you get a Medicare disability lawyer, where they're capped at $6,000, a lawyer or whoever can get whatever uh, a percentage of your back pay. So it's whatever's negotiated. Right. Um, I've seen some people pay as much as $20,000 and only come back at 50%. So, uh, and I, I work with some of those to get them to 100%. Um, it, it If you don't do it right the first time, it's harder to get it. So as you know, the closer you get to 90 or 100, right. the smaller the percentage is. Because
1: it's that crazy and math, more, right?
0: Yeah. The VA math. So, mm-hmm. uh, so you see a lot of that and people sit at 90 for a long time and they get, they may have 50, 10%. Well, that those 50, 10 percenters are barely going to get you to 100%. So right. um, you have to look at, at, at whether or not your VSO, whoever's doing your paperwork, also lists your residuals or the additional things that Count towards that. So, let's say um, you have sleep apnea, but you also have anxiety and depression. So, uh, or sinusitis. So, if you have all those, then you want to put all those down as a disability, and you have to be able to put the puzzle together. Right. That's what it is. Well, that's a medical puzzle.
1: It's a holistic look, but we're breaking it down into each little it's like operation right <laughs> like you right.
0: gotta look so at all
1: the different pieces there
0: so you know the VA got sued um, and uh, about five months ago um, the VAIG went into 20 they looked at 23 of the regional offices and found that a lot of those VSOs that were submitting paperwork were not looking at the complete records And so they were denying people's claims based upon saying that there's insufficient evidence. Uh, So they have to go back and actually look at 500,000 records for people that were denied.
1: Oh my God. On top of PACT Act, right? Correct. PACT Act coming in, they get sued. Now they're like, oh man. And I'll add another factor on this. I have uh, somebody I know that works for one of these. I don't know which one, but, uh, the subcontracts where they do the medical exams and, and I'm not going to name any of them, but they do the medical exams and whatnot. And and anybody knows them that's been through it. And she does, um, like their quality check kind of thing. And she Mm -hmm. looks at the cases to make sure all the information's like ready to go. And, and, uh, told me straight up, she's like, so we work, she goes, they get mad at me all the time because. They want us to spend five minutes per case. And I was like, spend what? And she goes, and Mm -hmm. they get um, commission, like sort of like commission, like how many cases they get bonuses. There we go. Yeah. If they meet the quota, then they get more bonus. Right. So it it Mm -hmm. incentivizes them to go fast. And she goes, and you know what that turns into? I'm like a shit show. She's like, yep. And so they're, they're missing stuff. You know, they're sending in incomplete stuff or, you know, whatnot, because they're not even given the time. And she's like, they get mad at me all the time because I take longer. But I've been on the other side of it, you know, so I'm not going to compromise, you know, like, damn. Right. And and that was an eye
0: opener for me. Well, there's been a couple undercover investigations that have actually been done. NBC published some stuff here about a week ago. Uh, so uh, where, you know, they said, yeah. You know we're in a quota system so if we find one thing that we can deny it we just deny the whole claim that's yeah so yeah because they, they have the quota system so um i know there's a lot of people that have also had um their disabilities and appeal mm-hmm. so um in february of 2019 so Um, There was a change. So Mm -hmm. anything that was submitted after February of 2019, that they're gonna try to have that done within five years. Uh, So, but there are a lot of claims that are still open prior to February of 2019. So there are a lot of different things that go on. um, and um,
1: It's so complicated too, because it's so massive and I don't know if a lot of people know this and this is how I relate the VA, but they're like a franchise. So every hospital is on its own. I mean, there's, there's an overhead, but I mean, they, so every time you go to a different VA, it's a whole different set of rules, you know, what they're doing. I've seen it. I've dealt with it. I, when I played in the system and working, I was like, how do they not know this? We don't know anything Correct. about, them. I'm like, isn't that common knowledge? Well at that VA it's not. And it's some other VA it is. And I'm like, oh my lord. And that that was an eye opener for me that they're their, their continuity is not there because they don't all run together. They don't all communicate. They don't have the same
0: Yeah you know, discussions, so, I guess. So every every vision is different. Mm-hmm. Uh and you know, what's going on like right now in the San Antonio area. Um the, my previous vision, which actually happened to be in Louisville, Kentucky, um, was actually 10 years ahead of what's going on here in San Antonio, which is Military City, USA. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've only been doing uh, acupuncture and chiropractic here for um, about three and a half years. Yeah. Uh, versus I've been doing acupuncture and chiropractor through the VA. Um, since 2009
1: at which va were you at before yeah. which va were you at right. before that was doing it
0: uh at louisville
1: oh wow Kentucky.
0: Yeah. yeah so each person is different um so now that's part of the whole health so if you want acupuncture or chiropractic uh enroll in the whole health program through your primary care at the va um and uh, they'll get you in the system. You know, it's it's a process. It's like still a three to four month process, but, um, that, you know,
1: that's the so you know I, for the audience here, you brought you on like Pact Act. We're talking Pact Act, and there is a lot to talk about with Pact Act. But I also like to bring around like to have Mike central. One to get him is rare. So if I can nail him down for an hour, that's like amazing, and to get this knowledge out of him. Um, so I kind of want to tap as, as much as I can off you. Um, but when you're looking at, when you talk about whole care, right? The whole care that Mm -hmm. they have now, that is, I'm glad it's coming on board. It has a long ways to go in, in their, um, uh, capabilities, you know, but it's a start and you got to start somewhere. So that's a really good thing. Um, but for the audience, I'm going to kind of tie these things all up together a little bit. When you're getting into that system to get care, um, what is the recommendation if there are weights, right? So what are you doing in the meantime? That's one thing. And, and how are you maintaining yourself? Um, during those waits, like, what are you seeing people do? It's a little off topic, but like, if they're waiting that long, is there other places people can go to get care that you see?
0: There are. So there, there are a couple of things, you know, so one thing I'll say is you are your own advocate. Thank you. And you have to, you're the only person that's going to take care of you. Right. Period. Um, so you, you need to become involved. Um, the other thing to that is you earned it. Uh, the VA is pre-funded for disabilities. So you're not taking, uh, any money or anything else from another veteran. Right. You're actually putting, but the VA is the largest socialized medicine program in the world, in the history of the world. Mm -hmm. So, um, you need to fight for your own care and, uh, they're supposed to be able to get you a primary care physician within 30 to 45 days. If that's not happening, call your congressman, Chip Roy, Tony Gonzalez, uh, whoever. Yeah, whoever your uh, state is. Yeah, wherever your, your state or your local area is and say, hey, I can't get in.
1: But, so you uh, you answered where I was going. So that's what I wanted without saying it straight out. You You answered the question was that if you can't, if you're struggling to get those appointments that are, and they're like, Oh, it's a four month wait. Sorry. The answer is like, you need to refer me out because that, that is care. what they're supposed to be doing. Right. Under community care. So when you are in the system and you're being told, Oh, I'm sorry, it's two months, three months, whatever, whether it's mental health, whether it's physical health, whatever it is, you're like, okay, well, can I have a referral through community care to get my mental health care or whatnot? The answer should not be no. The answer should right. be yes.
0: It's supposed to be twenty days for. Um, uh,
1: Mental health. If you can't get
0: in within twenty days to see a, a GP or oh, okay. PCN, uh, then they're supposed to refer you out. It's thirty days for specialty care.
1: Got you. Okay, so those are good so, numbers to.
0: Right. To remember um, there. So. Um, there there are a couple more things. So for survivors, uh, you know, spouses and dependents of veterans who have died uh, of a service-connected disease and had DIC, that's the Dependency and Indemnity Compensation, mm-hmm. uh, or uh, survivor's pension or accrued benefits denied. Mm-hmm. All that stuff is now re-looked at underneath the pac Act and... Uh, the VA is supposed to be contacting you as a if you're the dependent, but as we know, that doesn't work that way. Right. So it would behoove you if you know a dependent or survivor who had somebody that passed away to actually get them to contact the VA and re- have them relook at their uh, dependency and indemnity compensation, as well as um, possible accrued benefits or survivor pension. Accrued benefits, uh, so if you die, uh, this is one of the things, be sure that you have somebody identified in your will as an executor because, example, if you are one of those people that has a claim that's earlier than 2019 and you die, that claim becomes part of your estate and hmm. the executor is, is obligated to close your state to file for the accrued benefits. So in some cases that could be a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars. Dang. Again. Yeah. So um, and there's a couple folks here in the in the this region that have just um, one individual got uh, $120,000 and one got two hundred and seventy five thousand uh just recently in accrued and DIC compensation
1: is that taxable income is that
0: no it's all non-taxable Good it's no different than your disability pension. right
1: that's what I was so wondering
0: the other thing that does is when that goes into play um, let's say so you got out at 12 let, let's say and you did not retire that also allows the disability the certificate of eligibility for housing, the chapter 35 for education all that stuff to cross over to the spouse and the dependents ah. so, so there are magic numbers that always go into play uh, magic percentages 20 30 percent, 70, 70 percent. Um, one of the things I am seeing and, and it, it's a battle is that we have a lot of older veterans that have dementia, Alzheimer's and that that have never filed. And then their spouse is their caregiver, but you can't get caregiver unless the veteran has a disability. So you have to file for the disability in order for the spouse to get um, caregiver status. We were talking about assistance. So one of the things I've been doing is actually going out in the communities and trying to get uh, healthcare practitioners to actually, in some cases, take TRICARE or take Medicare or become enrolled in the VA Community Care Program, because a lot of people are tired of driving an hour and a half into the city. Yes. Um, So, um, and that's kind of working. Um, You know, I'm getting a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, There are some agencies that are grant agencies. So if you're on the example, the west side of San Antonio, up in Dallas, El Paso, um, throughout the U.S., there's a, a group called Endeavors, That's that's what I thought you were talking about, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so the Stephen A. Cohen Foundation uh, that also does mental health. They have flagship health in there. So that's actually a primary care. That's no cost to you, the veteran.
1: And they do Um, a, uh, they actually have transport. They do transport up to so so many miles. It's a beautiful facility. I've toured it before.
0: So the other part of that, there's another one on the east side, uh, or actually downtown San Antonio on Flores Street. Uh, those of us that have been around a little bit probably remember the old American GI Forum magazine that used to help have jobs and things in it back in mm-hmm. the 90s. Well, they also have a national veterans outreach program. Oh, neat. That, and so they have a uh, um, hotel, um, they put up homeless, they do a job education, they have actually having a job fair November 2nd and 3rd. Um, they're having a stand down and it's, it's for veterans and civilians on the second and veterans only on, on the third, they have a mental health as well. They also do telehealth. They, um, actually have their own manufacturing plant and, um, they employ the veterans. Um, so they work with flagship health. Uh, so I was actually able to do that tour as well. Um, the other thing is there's Alamo Veterans Network. So the 13 counties that surround Bear County all um, put money into ACOG. People have heard ACOG, Alamo Area Council of Governments. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a veterans network within that that also deals with uh, about 230 nonprofits. Uh, and so they, you can actually call them up And they have a counselor, uh, an intake specialist that will actually work with you and and actually put you off. So um, I work with them on, you know, because I get calls from everywhere. So I kind of help everybody across the U.S. So I've had calls for um, suicide, spouse suicides, um, attempted suicides. So when I'm working with a veteran that's married, that's got a Alzheimer's, dementia or whatever, Uh, the spouses have what's called vicarious trauma Mm -hmm. used to be called vicarious PTSD Mm -hmm. uh, or secondary trauma stress. And um, that affects them, your PTSD and, and actions affect your spouse and your kids. So um, if I'm able to talk to a spouse and a kid, one of the things I do again from the education side of my background, it's also clinical psychology. So I, I do a little bit of analysis and I, I asked the same thing, you know, it would be like, Hey Donna, are you feeling depressed, anxious? You know, I kind of go through yeah. the same uh, DSM five questions that a uh, psychiatrist would use uh, to, to let me see how you are. Uh, and then I try to get you help as well. So um, not every I was just gonna
1: say, I'm like, we got a VSO plus here. And, you know, not every VSO does that. But really, that is, especially in the paid ones, and Mike and I know this, that that's what they're supposed to be also helping with is connecting to resources. Um, That is a big part. So let me ask this question. So a lot of what Mike was talking about was actually local with Texas, like ACOG and and endeavors is actually in different places and the Cohen clinic. Um, We just happen to have the flagship, a big one here in San Antonio. Um, And so uh, we've seen it. It's really nice. Um, Great facility. But if they are not here, and they nationally where do you recommend let let me tie this back towards like the pact act where do you recommend people start like they're like holy crap my kid has adhd i sat on a flight line for you know 20 years There's, there could be a relationship here like how do i start with the pact act what's the first step
0: so uh if you're the veteran or the spouse uh Of a veteran, or you have kids, I would say you can contact the local VA environmental coordinator. Uh, Some of them will tell you no, others (laughs) will tell you yes. Uh, Or um, you can go online and do a search for uh, VA, or or actually go talk to a Medicare disability attorney.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Uh, uh, Because some of those actually are accredited. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they can and help with, do they, they know about the PACT
1: Act or are they? With,
0: with the PACT Act. Oh, interesting. Well. That's another, so, wow.
1: that. but they can apply yeah, so, online, right? They can do a, a, what they call intent correct. to file, right? Intent to file.
0: And the intent to file actually basically gives you up to one year to get the information into the system and will guarantee you a back pay to the date that you file.
1: Right, right.
0: So, um, so if you're
1: not even sure, and here's the nice thing, if you're not even sure, like, like I think I want it, but I'm not really sure, just file, file it. Yeah, and if it pans it out, yeah, if it pans out that you're like, uh, it, it, that's not it, I don't have it, or, or you're not doing it or whatever, it, it really is no harm, no foul. It'll just sit there. And then I think after a year, they'll just like close it. You know? Close it, right. Yeah, so it's no big deal if you're not sure, file, do an intent for file and then, you know, work on it from there. Like I am extremely slowly,
0: (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it's in the back of my head. (laughs) You know, um, you know, one of the things I I get is when I, especially when I talk to people is, um, well, you know, I wasn't, uh, I didn't do that. Or, you know, I was, I'll use medical. So a lot of medical people wind up being security forces augmentees, right. So what do they do during exercises or when shit hits the fan or something? They become security forces on the, guarding the planes on the flight line. Right. So, so you are exposed to that. Right. You know, um, people in the hospital that work in the OR, NICU, ICU, um, anesthesia, oxygen, nitrogen, all those stuff are in mass quantities are considered toxic exposures.
1: Yeah, and we're um, around it all day. I mean, that's what we're doing right. all day. And so, a, a lot of people, like you say, that's a very common thing, like, oh, I'm not really that broke. Oh, I'm not, oh, I don't want to take from someone else. I'm, I'm glad you said that, like, hey, you're not taken from other people that is congressionally funded for every person. And Congress said, hey, we're going to open this up now. And VA, you got to handle this because, you know, there's a lot of, we're realizing that we stick people on bases that, after everything you just said, they're very toxic,
0: like. Right, and, and you know, the other thing is, is, you know, according to the August 2nd of 2020 uh, change to uh, the manual 21-1, which is the VA adjudicator's manual, uh, COVID and the COVID vaccine are viable disabilities.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, and it's supposed to expire January 5th of 2024. So how do they already so, have an expiration date on it, right? Yeah,
1: I don't know. But if you, you know, that's another thing. Like if, and you know, people ask me all the time, like, oh, should I get it? Should I not? I'm like, mm, you know, you get weigh a lot of stuff, right? So if you were somebody that did receive it and you notice afterwards that there's some effects, then apply. I mean, apply, just put it on Correct. there. It's not, it's not a problem. You are not taking from anyone else. And so when the PACT Act came down, it just finally acknowledged all this stuff. Like, how long did it take for bur- just burn pits to get acknowledged? Yeah. I had service members that are like, I just got diagnosed with asthma at thirty five years old. I've never ever had a problem. And now I can't shake the cold. I get pneumonia real easy. I wheezy at certain times. I mean, there's just a matter of time that the evidence becomes overwhelming that we had to start acknowledging. And fortunately it was a tiny bit faster than Agent Orange. Um, but I, I am telling you, my, my father-in-law passed away and we are pretty confident that it probably stemmed back to his Vietnam days. You know?
0: And so one of the questions I always ask um, is, did you have a, uh, a vaccine reaction? Yeah when people give me a lot of symptoms, especially um, a lot of these younger people that are in the process of getting out of the service. Now um, I will ask them, did this happen before or after you were vaccinated? So, um, and the records, when I review the records, the records will actually tell me. So by virtue of the dates, uh, and I actually see a lot of that, um, that a lot of them have vaccine reactions. They all have, um, a lot of them have cardiac issues. A lot of them have fertility issues. And these people are in their twenties, thirties. They have joint issues, body aches. What's the one? uh,
1: Is it conversion? Uh, God, I'm going to get the name wrong, but essentially it, you will have symptoms for a certain amount of time. I actually had a, a student in college, not a veteran. It was interesting. Um, she had this where one day she could walk and one day she couldn't. So some mm-hmm. days she'd come to school in a wheelchair. Just like, oh, it's one of those days. And then other days she'd walk in the door. It's Conversion or con- I cannot remember the term, but there's an actual term with that. And there's there was a high association with the trauma and burn pits and all that other stuff going on with veterans, you know, that they were having all these symptoms. Like, one, they'd have the symptom, then it'd be gone, then they'd have this, and then it'd be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there, there's a, I've seen so many veterans that would have, you know, a compilation of these um, symptoms of different things, and they can't get any traction. So, I'm really, thankful that the PACT Act came in, you know, when it did, and that these people now are getting recognized. Because, you know, here's the other half of it is there's one thing for the VA say, hey, this is the vast you know, that's the rating system. This is the criteria you meet or do not meet, right? Black and white, like you meet it or you don't. But it is another thing when you know that you are not who you are, you are having these symptoms, you are having these issues. And then there's this psychological component when somebody says, "Sorry, we don't believe you," quote unquote, or you don't meet criteria. Maybe it's that you don't meet criteria. Like, what do I? And so there's that mental component that just weighs on it. So when you're increasing stress levels, you're not getting better, right? You're you're getting mm-hmm. worse, right? So it's not behooving the VA or Congress or anybody to deny all this stuff because essentially the people are just going to decompensate more mentally, physically, and now you're still going to pay for it. So why don't we just get on the ball, which hopefully the Pact Act is doing and start compensating these people and taking care of them like they should have been taken care of a long time ago. And,
0: and, you know, uh, veterans will, a couple of things veterans need to look at. So the, basically the disability uh, is 38 CFR uh, part four, the code of federal regulations, uh, 50 and 54 CFR and uh, DSM five, which are the three things that deal with mental health. Mm -hmm. So if you were actually to look at those and kind of, I know it's kind of technical for a lot of folks, but just look at it and that'll say, okay, well, these are the disabilities um, that the VA looks at. Now, if you're a hundred percent, right, I get this question a lot, should I apply for the PACT Act? The answer to that is yes, because you're not just helping yourself, you're helping a fellow veteran.
1: So so yeah. why it's funny, this comes up a lot, right? When somebody's a hundred percent Mm-hmm. permanent total too, right? If they're, whether 100% or 100% permanent total, there is a nervousness about reapplying for anything because there's a fear that they could take it away.
0: So it's I've had that conversation with a lot of people too. So the way that the system is set up is they don't want you to do a, a lot of, claims within a five-year period. So it's that's why it's important that you do all your claims at the majority of your claim the first time. So ah. because by the time you get to your third claim, you have to tie everything back into the first claim, if that makes sense. So it almost like so red it,
1: flags you, you know? When, yeah. Okay.
0: So, you know, you don't want to file three things and then file three things and then file three things. File nine things, Right. Because um, what they'll do is they'll award it. And then if you wait, if you do two years later and you do another one, then you look at it and you're saying, oh, wow. Well, I was 70. Now they drop me to 50. The VA is all about money. Right. So so they'll drop it down and adjust it and still keep you at the same percentage you were before on average. Uh, versus if you do it right the first time. So on average, I get about, when I look through my screen, somebody's records and talk to them, I'll come up with about 60 disabilities on average per person. Jeez, and that's an nice. after they've seen somebody that that's, and, and that person could already be at 50, 60, 70%. So the other thing is, is as soon as within one year, of when you get out, be sure that you go to the doctor and get stuff documented Well, that's critical.
1: Yes, that's critical when you're in also, because we're all guilty. We are all guilty of this. But, you know, we're like, I'm fine. Oh, I'm not going to worry about it. Oh, whatever. And blow it off. And I get it. I I did it myself. But as we're maturing and we're getting on in our years um, and then things, that little niggly knee that was really no big deal you could slap a brace on and just go to town and do your squats and everything well now you've got more overuse injury and it's really hurting now and you have no proof that that started 5 years before and Correct. people always have the like oh we're just being whiny like it's it's really not if you can reframe it and i say this as a standing hypocrite on this because i was just as guilty but if you can reframe your mind that you're you're just getting this documented and don't worry you know they're all just going to give you motrin i mean if your leg's hanging off or it's just a twinge it's all the same treatment it's motrin right yeah. and so but at least it's documented and then when that knee hopefully doesn't but if it worsens then they can follow the trail But if all of a sudden the first documentation is you need a knee replacement and there was no acute injury, like where do they go from there?
0: (laughs) So, so I tell people, you know, you have to get out of. I I, I tell them you have to get out of the good soldier attitude. Yeah. You know, you also have to get out of the suck it up buttercup. You know, while you're on active duty. That's how we're trained.
1: Yeah, but we're not trained. We're not trained as an individual. We're not trained as this person you're trained to be part of a team. And if you're failing, quote unquote, your team in any level, then it wreaks more havoc, right? And so we all just like, I'm fine. I'm fine, everybody's fine. Until we're at like 17, 18, 19 years and we're like, ow, why am I so broken? Why can't I I sneeze and something's pulled, you know? And, And now we have to look back and go, oh. We're all guilty. So we're and, trying to tell the young ones, wake the hell up. Don't be stupid like us.
0: <laughs> right. And, and you know, so, you know, people look at me and they're like, well, nothing's wrong with you. You look oh, intact. You know, I look good. At... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but, you know, on the inside, I'm jacked up. Broke. You know. Just, broke is a like, joke. Yeah, I'm broke. Yeah. 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 And uh, um, so and you, you look at a lot of veterans and, and you'll see that. But, you know, the older we get, the, the less mobile, you know. So, you know, I, I always have to carry a cane in the car because I never know if the back or the hips are going to go out or, or whatever. You oh, know? I thought so, that
1: was just your singing telegram routine <laughs> that you were doing. Oh, sorry. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, I'm kind of working on that. <laughs> um, you know, th- there have just been a lot of changes that have uh, uh been happening here lately and and you know not it's not just the pact act um you know again um there was another lawsuit and i was going to put this out anyhow but um it came about because the veterans that were kicked out for PTSD, anxiety, uh, TBI-related issues, and they got a other than honorable. Yes. Uh, in that right, so uh, which made them ineligible for benefits and things like that. Well, correct. Supposedly, the VA is supposed to be looking at the two hundred and fifty uh, uh, thousand. The sorry, DOD is supposed to be re-looking at two hundred and fifty thousand of those. Uh, to, recorrect, to correct those as far as upgrading to at least a general discharge, which makes you eligible for benefits. So um, if you're a veteran and you're listening to this, or you know a veteran that got out uh, because of PTSD, anxiety, depression, or a TBI-related issue, then they need to contact and, and actually um, appeal their discharge character to the board of correction for military records. If
1: they were less than honorable, right.
0: If they were, if, yeah. If they were less than general. Yeah. Other than honorable. Other than honorable. Um, honorable else, right. Yeah. Yeah. The BCDs are uh, pretty much going to stay as a, as a BCD. What's a um, BCD? Bad conduct.
1: Uh, oh, well, yeah. I mean, that, right. and that's the, that is a big deal. We had, we did a whole series on veteran treatment court and, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a, phenomenal program and if, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about go back we have like a series of 4 or 5 it was a, just an amazing learning experience and and to one of the things I asked the court coordinator Laura I said how she goes she's actually still in the Navy reserve and I said how many of these people do you see that are getting out she's a paralegal that were mm-hmm. getting out that had PTSD and were being separated for like conduct issues, or or they were leaving on their own accord, whichever. And she's like, almost all of them, she's mm-hmm. like in the treatment court, all of them have PTSD, and it infuriates me because they weren't diac- properly diagnosed, they weren't caught so to speak, they weren't given the tough love to get this treatment or hopefully I've seen this too. They're just like, I'm fine Don't worry about me. And then it led on to bad choices and here they are out with no benefit. And in some cases, bad conduct and, and less than honorable. And now they cannot get benefits. And where, where does that leave them? You know, I mean, that's horrible.
0: And, And the other thing I'll tell you, um, with these folks is um, when you get out, there's there's what they call a RE code. RE code. That's your reenlistment eligibility code. Mm. So, um, if you tell somebody that you're in the service and you could have got out with a general discharge, but had an RE code of four, an employer can turn you down because they'll look at that DD 214 and say. Your RE code of four,
1: which is what less uh, than honorable or
0: less than no, it's it just means that the service really won't take you back in.
1: Uh, oh, yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, I know,
0: right. So, so, reenlistment eligibility codes play a major factor on your DD 214. So, be sure when if you're getting out that you understand everything that's on your DD 214, yeah, it, especially. Yeah the reenlistment, the RE code. I hope mine's uh, like
1: a two or whatever the worst one is that they'll never right. take me back. That's the one I want. Four.
0: <laughs> so, uh, the other thing too that I want to uh, just touch on real quick is I have a lot of folks that are um, they ask me about medical discharge versus a uh, MEB versus retirement uh, versus just getting out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if You're given a medical discharge and a 30% disability and a severance pay. um, Then that severance pay has to be paid back to the VA in order for you to get care from the VA. So, uh, And that's a separate disability. If somebody says that uh, we'll give you a choice, um, a medical discharge or an MEB, uh, uh, medical evaluation board. Take the medical evaluation board.
1: What's the What's the difference when you said that I w- between medical so, discharge? Just for the audience to understand the difference between medical discharge and an MEB. I mean, there's a so, difference.
0: So right. So, so you have an informal uh, medical evaluation board. Uh, then you have a, a PEB, a physical evaluation board, and then you have the formal. Medical That's
1: all in board. the medical evaluation board, right? That's the formality that Correct. says we're going to pay for whatever it is when you get out. But a medical discharge—what's the difference?
0: So the difference is with the medical discharge, you're in some cases you're not necessarily eligible for certain benefits when you get out. Right. So, um, and then. You know, so I give you thirty thousand, and you're actually only going to get twenty-one thousand. So people think that's a big deal, right?
1: Well, let me let me add let me. um, There's one more level to it, and the only reason I'm jumping in is because I I know this was my job for way too many years, but. When you're less than 30%, it's severance, right? They do not do the That's reti- medical, a right, medical retirement. That is that. So if you're less than 30%, you are not getting a monthly check. You're not getting any of that. You're getting, they're going to say, here's that severance. But there's also being separated for medical, you get nothing. Nothing. That's nothing. correct. And what, that, what the military is saying is, hey, you're like broke enough that we can't retain you. But none of those are service connect. They're not um, like nothing to do with us. You see this in the garden Reserve side. This is where you see it. You don't see it in active duty. But these people can get sent out the door because they have conditions that do not meet retention standards, but the military is saying they are not military connected. We didn't cause that, which that's a whole other story. But anyway, they say, okay, you're not worldwide. You're not retention eligible have a good day, and then they send you out the door with zero. No severance, right. no
0: nothing. And, and that's where, um, so the DOD directive and each service directive actually mandate that the respective services follow the same disability guidelines as what's in the VASRID, the 38 CFR. Right. The VASRID, right? right. So, but they don't always you as a service member, they're supposed to provide you legal counsel when they're talking to you about medical discharge So uh, versus an informal...
1: Right, so uh, there's some DOD guidance on that. Now, it could have changed since I got out, but here's the the rule is supposed to be. Now, I said, please go validate all your information because it changes all the time. But my last understanding is, and this is what we used to advise them, when they were going through an MEB, by DOD, I think it's by DOD or even NDAA, I'm not sure which level, they are supposed to be provided a lawyer at the time that they are told they're having an MEB. Now, DOD. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. so DOD. Navy does it, Army does it, Air Force.
0: You get <laughs> it when you get to the formal.
1: Formal. And Air Force is like, oh, we don't, we don't have enough staff. And I know, I literally worked with these guys. We don't have enough staff. So get some. Because if the Army and the Navy can do this, yeah, can do it. So what they do is say, oh, we don't have enough staff. So we do it at the formal level. We do it when it's a formal board, which is the step after the informal. So when you go through an MEB, you go through the informal, and that's the first rating. And then you say, oh, I like it, or no, I don't. And if you don't, you get to appeal to the formal board. And at that point, when you say, I'm appealing, then they give you the disability lawyer, right? The attorney. That's So, so it, which I think is crap because they should be advising you before that. Now I will say for all my Air Force buddies, you can call the area. I think they're called ADC now area disability council. uh You can call them and talk to a paralegal and you can ask questions, even though they're not taking you on officially, they will answer your questions. They're good people. So, but there is that, um, process that they uh are limited on for the air force so yes
0: right so so part of that process and and i'll i'll tell you because i was medically boarded 60 days short of 20. they offered me 30 percent i turned them down um when i met the board here in san antonio um, i came in with again you you have to understand the rules Mm -hmm. so i understood the rules um you need to understand what the requirements of your job are. So that's your pulleys. If you remember your profile, Mm P-U-L-H-E-S. So every job and every service has a, a minimum standard. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so by the time I got boarded, I was over 20 and I'd already tried to retire and they wouldn't allow me to retire, which was kind of funny. So um, I met the board and to, I met my pulley's requirement by the regulations, but my injuries qualified me for a hundred percent medical retirement. How does that work? The board's, the board's decision was to return me to duty because it would save them uh, that about is... forty percent in retirement benefits.
1: So that is a tactic. I will tell you that I have, I personally fought that fight when I was in. It was one of the last meetings I had with, I believe, I think, Africa. And I was shocked because, and for the community, this might get a little technical, but there is certain codes that return you back to duty. So you can get fully returned, go get them, Tiger, you're great. You can get an ALC one, two, or three, and- and Each of those will limit you a little bit more, three being the most limited, which pretty much says you can show up at work and that's about it. You can't deploy, you can't do anything else, but you can come to work. And what I found shocking was that I found stats that showed that the um, reserves, who was the smallest of the three groups, reserve, guard, and active duty, had somewhere close to 10 times more, well, probably about eight times more, uh, ALC3s than mm-hmm. the active duty. Active duty at the time had 44 active duty. Mm-hmm. I knew the person that was running. She was a friend of mine. I go, why do you have such a low number? She goes, well, it's more for cancer patients, like, to get them back, you know. I said, oh, that makes sense. Um, and give them that chance to recover and recuperate and everything. The reserve had 300 and... Forty-seven or something like that, and I asked them. I said, "Why do you have eight or you know seven, eight times more ALC three returns than the active duty, who's two, three times bigger than you?" And they try to come back and say, "Oh, well, we don't know what denominator you're working with." I'm like, "Yeah, you do. You're looking at the total number of active duty and the total number of reserves." So they, they didn't have an answer for me. They didn't have an answer at all, so I was like, "Okay, well, I mean, I don't think it ever got resolved." But it's a tactic, and I've seen it when they're close to retirement, retirement eligible. They do a return to duty with an ALC three or, or something like that.
0: Uh, yeah, usually it's an ALC one, and then you. Oh, um, well, ours you have are to threes follow. all
1: the time. That's what blows my mind. Yeah,
0: yeah. and then you have to actually um, file with the BCMR.
1: Yeah, which which is a... Takes- years A
0: long time.
1: Yes, yeah. and just yeah. for you guys to understand that, BC Mar's Board of Correction of Military Records and is the only entity that can actually change your military record. And it's a real, quote unquote, nice city, right? It looks nice. It looks like a very non-threatening form, pretty easy to fill out. But it actually is a long, drawn-out process. And I will tell you my personal spin on it for whatever it's worth. It is there on the front side to correct military records for an injustice or for any mess up in your records. What it really does is save the military from getting lawsuits. It saves them from not having to deal with one litigation after another. And so that's the other half of it. I'm not saying that there's not some level of goodness in it. Because I have seen people get their records corrected, get compensated, and good things happen. But I am telling you that is not the primary reason that exists. The primary reason it exists is so they can avoid having to deal with all these lawsuits and and fix any, you know, uh, corrections. It does not fix processes. Just so people understand that if the process was messed up, they are not going to go back and slap hands. They're just going to correct and they're going to move on hence again why it is there for them to to get out of more lawsuits because if it was really altruistic they'd go back and fix processes which doesn't happen so yeah unfortunately a little too familiar with that stuff All right here, Mike, we're winding down here. We're we're pushing that hour. So and we could talk. It is a (laughs) ton of stuff and we can talk for hours. And every time you and I get within proximity of each other, we we both are like, Oh, we know it's gonna be a while. Like we either have to have time or we have to just scoot, (laughs) because we'll talk forever. So I, I appreciate you coming. This is awesome. Is there any final thoughts that you want to give to people in regarding to the PACT Act or disabilities or applying or anything like that?
0: Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Donna. You know, I, I think that uh, veterans as a whole, we when we get out, we kind of lose focus and we lose sense of, lose sense of purpose uh, because we've lost that family. You know, yeah. because we have our home family and we have our service family and veterans are the largest family in the world. So any country you go to as a veteran, say, Oh yeah, I served in the military in the U S. Oh, welcome, welcome. You know? Uh, so I would say if you know, a veteran, talk to them about filing for their disabilities. Uh, we all have them. We may look good on the outside, but we're all broke on the inside.
1: Really good maskers, uh, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, you yeah, know, we, we do need to get out of the suck it up buttercup um, and, and be more proactive in our own healthcare. care. Um, get your records, get your C file. Um, file. Don't be afraid. Even if you're 100 percent, file. Uh, because you're not just helping yourself, you're helping another a fellow veteran. Um, I will also tell you in the states that you're tax exempt, i.e., if you're 100%, Texas, Florida, Tennessee, Virginia. So there's about 17 states. Um, if you're 100%, still contest your property tax every year, it helps your neighbors. Um, Mm-hmm. It helps your neighbors, you know, gentrify. You, know, you don't want to gentrify your neighborhood and wind up with a whole lot of apartments. Yeah. So, you know, you can be, you can be in your own little castle, a veteran, and then wind up with a thousand apartments right around right you. Right around the corner. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then, if you're the spouse or dependent, well, first of all, you as a veteran owe it to your spouse to file for disability. Because I also have a lot of veterans that are older that their spouse never worked. They and gave up. If, if they never filed, when that person dies, all they're gonna get is the disability benefits and no DIC or anything else for- that, uh, Let
1: me bring this up real fast before we wind it down is that, because you and I ended up helping a lady that her husband passed away 10 years ago. And mm-hmm. through rent, I was just having a random conversation. And I find out that she had, oh, the only benefit she had was TRICARE. That's it. And I was like, wait a minute, you're not getting. And, and the long and short of it was he tried to, f- she tried to file for him after he had had a stroke. And the doctor so kindly said... Oh, well, since he's not verbal, then you can't file for anything, which was completely wrong. That's correct. And so now we're in the midst of trying to help her um, get compensation. So the only thing I say, because we could talk about that, the only thing I say to that is that if you are a spouse that has lost your partner and you do not have any benefits and they were in the military you need to go talk to a VSO, a CVSO. You need to go talk to somebody and see if that, there wasn't a period where they should have been covered, you should be covered. You just need to check it out.
0: And, and you can request your spouse's medical records. Right. Uh, so if you were married to the individual. Uh, the other thing is, is when, the, when they die, you are eligible for CHAMP VA if you don't have insurance um, and that in turn will assist you. Um, so it's kind of a little bit like Medicare mm-hmm. in, in some instances. Uh, and you could remarry, in which case it goes away. But then if you get divorced or that spouse dies, then you can apply for CHAMP VA again.
1: Oh, see, good to know.
0: Yeah. So, um, And then to the certificate of eligibility for the home, you know, some states will transfer all disability benefits over to the spouse. Texas will do that. correct? And some won't, but um, the VA will transfer the certificate of eligibility and your chapter 35 benefits. So if you're a spouse and you want to go back to school because your spouse died, then you can file with the VA and go to school. Great. And. Uh, so, okay, um, but yeah, so it's a lot of stuff. Uh, you know the the VA programs are really vast um, and you know unfortunately i I had to work with a lot of them while I was on active duty, so I worked with a lot of them for thirteen years on active duty. so I'm familiar with a lot of them, which made it a little bit easier to do. yeah, this.
1: All right. Well, Mike, you, I said you are a wealth. You could do a whole college course on how to navigate the VA. And I, I mean, it, it's, it's intense and it's a lot. But for the audience, just to break it down and not to be so overwhelming, just start at the beginning. And if you're really not sure or it just feels overwhelming, contact a, your local VSO. You can go to the DAV, you can go to the PAV, you can go to VFWs. Um, American,
0: Legion, American Legion,
1: and it does not cost you a thing. And that is where you should start. Um, and that's, that's really step one to look at everything. Yes. If you're a hundred percent, I know it seems scary, but really evaluate everything. Look at the pact act. It really did open up. If you have children that have learning disabilities, uh, things like my child with ADHD, you know, then you really need to look at that because that actually could benefit them in the future. So, you know, we're not just doing it for us. We're doing it for our family. Um, And so I hope this provided just a little bit of overview. We did talk about a lot of different things and we did hopefully not rabbit hole too much, but I really wanted to highlight all those different areas that you need to take into consideration. And so Mike, I greatly appreciate you coming out and taking time. And the fact that I got you for an hour and some changes, a miracle because I won't see him again for three months. Don't worry.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I've got a, um, I was actually working on a bunch of disabilities as we, uh, So I took a break, Uh, it's it's a good break.
1: That's right, it's good. So, all right, everybody, it's Beyond the Front Line and it's Donna here. And we just give a big shout out to Jay, make sure everything's going well for him. I hope you guys like, share, comment, engage. We really wanna hear from you guys what you wanna hear about because this is all for you, our veterans and their families. So from all of us here, from Coming Home Well and Beyond the Front Line to all of you, we hope you have a great week.
0: Thanks for listening to Beyond the Frontline, a podcast of Coming Home Well. Join us every other Wednesday. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Thanks again. And until all are home and all are well.